Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Would you be so kind to take your Bible this morning and go to the Gospel of John? Right there as you're standing, the Gospel of John, chapter number 20, please. The Gospel, you may remain standing, that's fine. The Gospel of John, chapter 20. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place, and I'm grateful for it. We'll begin our reading in verse number 24, and we will conclude on verse number 29. The Bible says, but Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, or twin, was not with them when Jesus came. Help me on verse 25. Ready, begin. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, again, his disciples were with him. And Thomas with them, and they came, then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Altogether. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless. And Thomas answered and said, my Lord and my God. Mm, mm, mm. Verse 29, Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. This is the word of God. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. This morning, the text that I'd like to use as my title comes from verse 27, where the scripture says, Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. Be not faithless, but believing. I am from the generation of the millennials. I believe they started in 83 all the way to uh, 81 all the way to 1996. And I don't know if any of my millennials, maybe the older crowd, I don't think any of the younger crowd would remember this or know this, but I grew up watching shows on PBS. Raise your hand if you remember watching shows on PBS. All right, I'm not alone this morning. Good. I'm not that old and I'm not that young. I'm right in the middle of the road there. And I remember 
the shows that would come on Sesame Street, and I, I just enjoyed Sesame Street. I enjoyed laughing at Oscar the Grouch. He was a fool, man. He was a mess. He was always in a bad mood, you know, and Snuffleupagus, and of course, Big Bird, and Elmo. My little niece, Lavender, she loves Elmo, Brother Walsh. She can't get enough of him, you know. I, I, I think his voice is annoying, but anyway, that's a different message, different time, but so I'd watch Sesame Street and all of the shows there, and, and then Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood would come on. How many fans of Mr. Rogers? Oh, yeah. I love Mr. Rogers. He's with Jesus now. Praise the Lord. He's with Jesus. That's right. He's a Presbyterian minister. And, and you know, the common song that he would use, uh, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, but that's not the one that was my favorite. My favorite from Mr. Rogers was, it's such a good feeling to know you're alive. That's in the hymn book, number 86, by the way, if you want to. <laughs> and I just love that song, man. But, uh, and then one of my all-time favorite shows would come on. And it was called Reading Rainbow. Butterfly in the sky, I can go twice as high. Now, all the young people don't even have any idea what I'm talking about. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. All right, Reading Rainbow. Take a look. It's in a book of Reading Rainbow. And I'd be so excited to sit on the edge of my seat like, yeah, man. LeVar's going to walk us through these books. And he would often do these activities that would depict what they were reading and it was an awesome show, man. Before the show would conclude, LeVar would give certain books. He would, he would give you certain recommendations for books to read, and he would tell the kids. The kids would come on. And before the show was over, he would say the phrase, and you can fact check me. He would say the phrase, but you don't have to take my word for it. Do y'all remember that? But you don't have to take my word for it. In our passage this morning, we have a man who is authentic. We have a man who is not easily persuaded. His name is Thomas. By the way, can I just interject that Jesus never called him Doubting Thomas. Men gave him that title, Doubting Thomas. He was not Doubting Thomas. He was unbelieving, Thomas. For the scripture says, be not faithless, but believing. Christ showed himself alive to Mary Magdalene. You remember the story. As she came looking for the body of Jesus. Where have they laid the body of my Lord? The angels told her, why seek ye the living among the dead? And when she saw Jesus, she did not know it was Jesus. She thought he was the what? The gardener. And he began to speak to him, Lord, uh, sir, where have they laid the body of my Lord? And, and when Jesus said Mary, he said her name, Mary, she said, Rabboni, Master. And she fell and worshiped the Lord Jesus Christ. This is now the evening where Jesus appears to his followers. The Bible says that they are in the room for fear of the Jews. They are scared to death that the Jews are going to put them to death because that is the same thing that they did to Jesus. And they're gathered together, and the Bible says that the doors were shut. And I love this superhero moment of the Lord Jesus. He did not need for the doors to be open for him to come right in the middle. Can I say that one more time? He did not need for the doors to be open to come right in the middle. 
And what does that teach us this morning? God can open any door and shut any door that he wishes to do so. There's nothing impossible for God to do. And so he's in the middle, and what Jesus has a message for them, and he says, peace be unto you. Alakim, shalom. Peace be unto you. He says it twice because he knew that they were overcome with intrepidation. He knew that they were overcome with fear, and it would grip their souls. And Jesus showed up and said, peace be unto you. And he said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that he breathed on them. That word breathe is the same word, inspiration. It is how we got God's word. Every word of God is a breathed word of God. And when he breathes on them the Holy Ghost, he gives them the Great Commission. Now, the Great Commission is different in the Gospel of John than it is in Matthew and in Mark uh, and in Luke. What Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. Here is the scene. Eight days go by. Listen to me. Eight days go by, and the Bible says that the 12 were gathered again, except Thomas was not with them. And obviously, it says the 12 because originally there were 12, so Thomas is absent and Judas isn't there because Judas is obviously dead. I want you to notice the isolated Thomas this morning. Look what the Bible says in verse number 24, please. Verse number 24, the Bible says, but Thomas... One of the 12, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. Where was Thomas during this time? I believe that Thomas was overcome with fear. I believe that Thomas was overcome with unbelief. I believe that Thomas would have done the same thing that I would have done. Well, he said that he was Jesus. He said that he was God. We were with him when he did these miracles, and yet he died, and I haven't seen him in three days. Was he the real deal, or was he an impersonator? Was he really God? Was he the person that he set himself to be, or was I following a phony? Keep in mind that the disciples all left their families to follow Jesus. Keep in mind that the disciples all left their jobs to follow Jesus. This was a very big deal. And in the middle of this confusion, in the middle of his said chaos, in the middle of Calvary, in the middle of the crucifixion, the Bible says that all men forsook Jesus, and one of those men obviously included Thomas. And so Thomas is in complete depression. Perhaps he has some anxiety and some fear, and he says, is this man that I followed for the last three years really God? Did I just waste the last three years of my life? Was my mind playing tricks on me? Was my heart deceiving me as I saw him feed the multitudes? As I've seen him turn the water to wine? As I've seen him raise Lazarus? Did this man really have the authority from God? Was he God or was he just some hoax? Is it not this way, my brothers and sisters, when we go through grief or through a hard time? There are some who love to be in community. There are some who love for somebody else to comfort them, and certainly that's biblical. And then there are some, like the latter Thomas, who go into complete isolation. And can I just tell you this morning, when you go through a tough time, when you go through fearful times, and your faith is lacking, and you don't feel like continuing this Christian life and this Christian walk, 
That is not the time to shy away from the brothers and sisters in Christ in the church. It is not the time to say, I'm not going back to church because I'm ashamed of my situation or I'm ashamed of my past or my husband and I are having marital issues or my, uh, my teenage daughter or my son, they are rebellious and I'm ashamed for the church to know. No, the scripture says this, my brethren, if a man be overcome in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted, because when a man thinketh himself to be something, when he is nothing. He deceiveth himself. And what God has placed the Liberty Baptist Church here for is so that we can strengthen one another. It's so that we can pray for one another. It's so that we can fast for one another as we join these small groups. And as we pray and weep together, we should weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. But Thomas made a dangerous decision and he said, I don't want to be around people. I'm completely distraught. I'm completely in fear. I don't believe in Jesus anymore. And I'm going away to be by myself. This is how people deal with grief and pain. But God has set the church, a community of believers. How many can testify this morning that somebody in this congregation, in this auditorium has been a blessing to you? Praise the name of the Lord. Thank God that throughout the last eight years of my life, almost eight years, there have been people in this auditorium that have prayed for me and my family. There have been people in this auditorium that have given, that have sacrificed, that I don't have to pretend like everything's always good. By the way, can I tell you, we got to stop pretending that everything is always good. If we can't be authentic in church, then tell me, where can we be authentic? We have these slogans and these phrases, these cliches, and we say, well, brother, just fake it till you make it. You know the problem with that? Is that those who are faking it never make it. <laughs> the devil can't operate where there's light. And so if you have sin in your life, let a spiritual brother and sister help you through the struggles of your sin. Bring it to light. And let the gospel, let the power of God help you overcome and pray together. And don't be ashamed. For so long I was ashamed to come to church. Like, ah. yeah, just a kid from the bus route, right? Kid from the bus route, Pastor Jad, I don't know you rode the route or not. I don't know, but just like, it's big church. <laughs> it's big church. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to big church now. And all of these people, you know. But thank God that there was a community. There was a family at the First Baptist Church of Long Beach who loved my mother and my sister and I. And they received us as one of their own. You know, the greatest family in all of earth does not reside in the White House, in Great Britain or anywhere else. The greatest family on earth is found in the churches that named the name of Jesus Christ. It's the great family. Thomas, where are you? He's by himself. By the way, Thomas almost missed out on the greatest appearance of all time. Last week, we had Vacation Bible School, the conclusion. And by the way, Pastor Caleb did a wonderful job and all the host and army of workers and the teachers. It was great, man. But we always raffle out a Nintendo Switch. Don't get any ideas because I'm not raffling anything out this morning, all right? But last week, and, and I remember the words that Pastor Caleb said. He said, must be present to win. You got to be present to win. 
and he called the name of the kid and the kid. The first, I think it was the first, where's Pastor Caleb? It was the first time in the last, I don't know how many, seven, eight years that the first name called was present. Normally the kids, they just take a smoke break or vacation. They're not here, but I'm just making sure you caught that. Just kidding. So here's, here's Pastor Caleb and he says the name and the kid pops up in the front. He's super excited. He's like, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Must be present to win. Do you know that Thomas almost missed out on seeing Jesus, the resurrected Jesus? Look what the Bible says in verse number 25. Obviously, someone went and got Thomas. The other disciples therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord. We have seen the Lord. And Thomas said unto them, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my fingers into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And so we see the isolated Thomas. Then we see the incredulous Thomas. He says, you guys saw him, but I'm going to take this a step further. I not only want to see him, but I want to touch him too. I need tangible proof that he really is Jesus. Now, if you compare this rationale with what he said in John 14, Jesus said, and whether I go, ye know, John 14, 4, and the way ye know. And the Bible says, Thomas said, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? You see, Thomas's personality has always been fact check. Hey, we don't know where you're going, Lord, and how can we know the way? <laughs> and then Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. And so Thomas' personality, he wasn't easily persuaded. He was not a sheeple. <laughs> he was not just believing everything that came on social media or on the newscast. Thomas said, I need to fact check this thing. And by the way, can I parenthetically say, you better be careful what you're digesting in today's uh, day and age of news and, and all of this uh, 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 false and fake news that's floating around in the world. You better be careful the things that you are watching and the things that you are hearing because 99.8% of it is false. It's a lie. Thank God this morning that I have the truth of God's word and everything in God's word is truth from beginning to the end. Look at verse 26. Let's read this verse aloud. Ready, begin. And after eight days, what did he say? Again, his disciples were within. If you're in the habit of underlining the Bible, would you underline or circle that word again? I love this, the scripture pointed out to me. After eight days, again, his disciples were within. And Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. This time, Jesus specifically comes for Thomas. Don't miss this. This time, Jesus specifically comes for Thomas. Hey, Thomas, you missed out last week. You were in isolation. You were in depression. You were in hiding for fear of the Jews. But I want you to know, Thomas, that today... I'm showing up especially for you. Jesus in this omniscient understands that Thomas needs a little bit of more proof. He needs to see and he needs to touch. He needs to handle. And I thank God this morning that God is a second chance God. You see, 
Maybe this is not your first time at church to hear the preaching of God's word. Maybe you've slipped up in your past sin, and maybe your mind is struggling this morning. Maybe there's a war waging within your heart between the right and wrong, good and evil. And I thank God this morning that several times throughout my life, the Holy Spirit of God has come by my way again and again and again and again. And this is the reason why in the book of Jonah, we see that God sent Jonah to that wicked city of Nineveh, but Jonah refused to go, and in his disobedience, he caught a, a, a little boat to Tarshish, and then God, the Bible says in chapter 2, but God, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. And I just thank God this morning, church family, that we have a second time God, that though there were times when I put God away, and though there were times when you refused to obey God, though there were times when God sought you out, there were times when God spoke to your heart, and you refused, and you rebelled, thank God today that we have an again and again and a second chance and a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance and a fifth chance type of God. Thank God that he never stops pursuing me. Thank God. Again, do you see that? Jesus says, I'm here again. And the disciples were probably all smiling. Do you see the disciples' faces? They were like, they're sitting around the table eating that hummus, organic hummus, by the way. Peter, because he's from Galilee, he needs a little jalapeno in there, you know what I mean? Give me that spicy hummus. I can just imagine Peter and John, they're like, hey, he ain't here for us, he here for you, homeboy. You, hey, you, you, you said you lost your faith. You said you needed proof. Hi, Jesus. He's right here, he's right here. Scoots him up to the front. Peace be unto you, Thomas. See, his message was no different for Thomas than it was for the others. Peace be unto you, Thomas. There are several false theories that try to refute the doctrine of the resurrection. There is a crazy theory called the swoon theory. You familiar with that? Jesus didn't really die. No, 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 he didn't really die. He fainted on the cross. And they buried him and... He resuscitated in the tomb. That's the swoon theory. What stupidity. The Roman soldier pierced his side and blood and water poured out, indicating that he was indeed dead. There's the hallucination theory. You heard this one? Well, everyone that Jesus appeared to after the resurrection, they all hallucinated. They all took a hit of Hunter Biden's crack, and they all just hallucinated. You know the problem with that is that hallucinations are personal. Hallucinations don't happen in groups. It can't be Jesus, no, I just. How about the impersonation theory? Stupid. It's just a man that came back and said, ta-da, I'm Jesus. <laughs> How about the wrong tomb theory? Well, you know, Mary and, and the women, they went to the wrong tomb. But you know how women are with their directional and all that. I, I can, Just kidding. Just kidding. Relax. I'm just making sure you're listening this morning. 
Miss Patty, you can smile. It's such a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> well, they went to the wrong tomb. Really? So the clothes were just lying there and the wrong, the wrong tomb. The angels, the angels got the wrong tomb as well. They were just sitting, their, their GPS from heaven, they were. And on and on, the dumb theories go. Because if the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a lie, then why are we gathered here in this building today? Can I just read you some scriptures? Just, just, just from the scriptures. The Bible says in Luke, in Acts chapter 1, Luke writes Acts chapter 1, he says, the former treatise, or the gospel I've written to you, I, I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after, through the Holy Ghost, he given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Verse 3 of Acts number 1, here's what it says. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion or after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Would you take your scripture and go to 1 Corinthians 15? This is the classic passage. I love 1 Corinthians 15. And let's read through there and what the Apostle Paul tells the church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians 15, the Bible says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand, by which ye are also saved, if ye keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Verse number three, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and he arose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, or Peter, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this day, but some are fallen asleep, some have died. After that, he was seen of James, and then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was also seen of me as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, that I am, am not me to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believe. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Verse 13, let's read aloud together. Ready, begin. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, we are found fault witnesses of God, because we have testified that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up. If so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, listen to this, then is not Christ raised? And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain and you are yet in your sins. Then they which also fallen asleep in Christ are perished, those that believe Christ before, and they died and went straight to a Christless eternity. The Bible says in verse 19, if only in this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. 
If Christ is dead, and if we believe in a dead Christ, then our faith is dead. If Christ is dead, then we should not ever sing any songs about him being alive. If Christ is dead, then why read the Bible? If Christ is dead, then why pray? If Christ is dead, then why raise your family in the fear and admonition of the Lord? If Christ is dead, then why give to missions? If Christ is dead, then why give to the Lord? If Christ is dead, then we should eat, drink, and be merry, and live it up, and party, and drug up, and drunk out. Why? Because there is no Christ, but the scripture says that Christ is risen from the dead. And because Christ is raised from the dead, then our preaching is effective. Because Christ is alive, then our praying is effective. And because Christ is alive, then the choir can sing. Because Jesus lives forevermore. Christ is raised. Thank God. Christ is raised. <laughs> so where does that leave the swoon theory? In the swamp. <laughs> Christ is risen. Thomas went from isolation to incredulity. And now he goes to the identifying Thomas. Look at how he responds when he sees the Lord Jesus. Would you look at it in verse number 28? By the way, this is the only response when somebody really sees the Lord high and lifted up. In verse number 28, look at what it says here. And Thomas answered and said unto him, talk to me, church, what did he say? My Lord and my what? Let's read verse 28 together. And Thomas answered and said unto him, what did he say, church? My Lord and my what? My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. Do you see that twofold? First, there's the confession. My Lord. He's Lord. He's Lord. You cannot be a Christian. Listen to me. You cannot be a Christian. You cannot have salvation if you deny the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you do not believe that Jesus is God, then you are not saved this morning. Listen, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. There are some who say that he is Lord, and then there are others who say he's Lord, but he's not my God. And this is a twofold confession. He says, I confess that Jesus is Lord, but he's also my God. Jesus is Lord, but he's also my God. You know, I'm, I believe with all of my heart that the reason why young kids and teenagers fall away from the church, and there's a lot that have fallen away, please don't misunderstand me, but I believe that one of the main reasons is because they see dad and mom praising God on Sunday and then cursing each other on Monday. I believe it's because we come in here and we have our religious service and we feel good about ourselves and we say, yeah, Jesus is Lord. Yeah, I love that song, Pastor Sammy, or that message, Pastor Thompson was incredible. It moved me to tears. But I'm just telling you, there'd be many who would confess Jesus, but there are many who are not committed to Jesus. And Thomas said, he is my Lord. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the Prince of peace. He is the lily in my lowest valley. He is the rose on my highest Sharon. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the gateway of glory. He is the captain 
of the captains. He's the governor of the governors. He's the hero of the heroes. There's nobody like you, Jesus. But he didn't stop there. He says, you are my God. And God forbid today that some of us can be so moved by the messages that are preached here. But we are moved. But unfortunately, many of us are not transformed. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 46, you know what Jesus said regarding the parable of the two foundations? He says, and why call ye me Lord and do not the things that I tell you? Why do you call me Lord and it has no effect on your personal life? Are we just religious this morning? You thought you're hearing a kid preaching that's been in church for 30 years. I know how to play the part. I know how to look the part. I know how to sound the part without actually being the part. I've seen kids memorize thousands of verses at, at the church school I used to go to and only to turn 18 years of age, Brother Todd, and never see them again walk the premises of the church building. I've been in youth conferences where the, the, the altar is full and, and we see kids and they're getting right with God and they're weeping and all that, only not to see them the following year or years ago. Been in church work for 17 years. I've, I've seen people come and fill the pews of the church. But what happens? The waves come crashing in and the lightning begins to strike and the thunder is much too strong. Then they find themselves exactly like Thomas. I don't know who's faithless this morning. You know what, Pastor Sam, I'm just giving up on this Christian life thing. I'm done. I'm done with God. Many people walk away from the Lord, sadly. Do you know what Jesus told Thomas in this passage? This is beautiful. Thomas, give me your hand. T -t Touch the scar. Give me your hand and thrust into the side. And I want you to stop being faithless but believing. Thomas says, my Lord and my God, your God. And then Jesus responds, listen to this. Thomas, because you have seen me. Because you see me? Because you see me, Thomas. That's the reason you believe. Because you saw me, Thomas. If you didn't see me today, Thomas, you would not believed. And then Jesus speaks about all of us in the last phrase. You didn't know you were in the Bible right there, did you? What does he say? Blessed. Blessed are they who have not seen and yet believe. 
Typically, the theologians would define that word blessed as joyful and, and happy. And, and certainly that is part of the term of blessed, but, but, but that's not the whole. This blessed right here was more about God's disposition. This was God saying, it makes me happy to know that there are millions in the generations to come that won't see my son Jesus physically. It makes me happy to know that there'll be millions who will believe in my son whom they have never seen perform a miracle. It makes me happy, God says, to know that there's going to be millions and perhaps billions who will believe that there was a cross that my son died on, that they will believe that there was a tomb that my son was buried in. They will believe that my son resurrected in bodily form just like he said he would. Blessed are they who believe and have never seen. And I'm telling you this morning, the only way that we can understand that Jesus Christ is real, the only way that we can comprehend that Christ is raised from the dead. It is through the living, transforming power of the Word of God. You say, Sammy, how do you know that Jesus is real? I read it in the Word of God. Right here. The Bible says that we have a more sure word of prophecy. It is the Word of God. I would have loved to have been there, Pastor Jay, to see Jesus turn the water to wine, but I wasn't there. I would have loved to see Jesus touch Bartimaeus' eyes, but I wasn't there. I would have loved to see him as he fed the multitudes with, with those loaves and the fishes. I, I would have loved to see that, but, but I was not there. I would have loved to see him call Lazarus out of the grave and would see the people rejoicing, but frankly, I was not there. I would have loved to see the miracles of the Lord healing uh, Peter's mother-in-law and healing the impotent man and healing the centurion's servant. I would have loved to have been there to see the miracles of Christ and to witness the manna in the wilderness. I would have loved to see it, my brothers and sisters, but I was not there. Oh, but I was there 30 years ago when a single mother was trying to raise two bad kids on the east side of Long Beach and she needed help. Oh, but I was there as she went to work every day, 12 hours a day, just to put food on the table. Oh, but I was there as God began to provide in a miraculous way for us to go to a Christian school. Oh, but I was there as we were kicked out on the street that God provided somewhere for us to live. Oh, but I was there that mom began to work and God began to work. I was there at the age of 11 when I bowed my knee and I realized that day that I needed somebody who was bigger than me. I needed somebody to love me through my tragedy. I needed somebody that I can lean on. My mother needed somebody. My sister needed somebody. And the government could not help. And the neighbor could not help. But thank God that Jesus Christ met me in my darkest moment of life. I was there when he saved my soul. Praise God. I was there. So don't tell me this morning that Jesus isn't real. I don't care who appears to me today. If an angel of light comes to tell me that Jesus is not real, then we got to slap him on the wing and say, be gone, devil, to the place that you belong. God is real. God is real. If he's not real in your life, listen to me. It's because you're not immersed in this Bible. You want God to be real in your life? You got to immerse your heart in this Bible. There is no other way. The Bible says, so then faith cometh by hearing, 
and hearing by the what? The word of God. And Joe said, just like LeVar, that did the show for 25 years, I think. I end the message. But you don't have to take my word for it. Here it is. And let God begin to reveal himself to you. Be not faithless, church, but believing. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.